Hello, my name is Philip Mirton, and today we're going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse, and evolution to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now, here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Heaven at the End of Science, Philip Meriton. E equals MC squared. This is an equation that I mention quite a lot on this show. It's the most famous ever discovered, and maybe it's one we haven't really understood that well. We may know that this equation, energy equals mass times the speed of light squared, is at the heart of nuclear energy and specifically the atomic bomb and why so much energy was released from such a small amount of uranium in World War II. But it also says, this equation also says, that energy is fundamental to our world. We tend to look outward, though, for the source of energy, not realizing at times that we have our own internal energy, our own motor. As we seek to control the energy of the cosmos and science, maybe we should be spending more attention on controlling our own energy source. So today we're going to be speaking with not only an energetic guest, but we're going to try to be talking about how to make spiritual energy real. Now our guest, Rebecca Norrington, has a Bachelor's of Science in Psychology, along with decades of education and training on topics ranging from spirituality to human behavior. Her professional pursuits include several jobs, including published author, speaker, spiritual teacher, and fitness instructor. In August 2011, she began her own radio show called Reality Spirituality, where she shares revolutionary tools and strategies enabling us to maintain and sustain a personal vibration of internal speech, peace, and contentment. In 2013, this past June, she was one of 17 authors who contributed to publishing a book entitled if I knew then what I know now, our quest for a quality of life. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. Well, thank you so much, and what a great introduction. Uh, thank you for that. And it was it was interesting when you started talking about energy and the to- atomic bomb, uh, and and the, the formula for energy. What I want to what I want to start off is we we are energy. You and I, everything is energy. Everything, um, and so. We're our person, who we are, we are energy beings. And that's why it's so important to realize this and to recognize that whatever energy you are emitting, you're putting out, is, is exactly the same energy you will be getting back. And I think that that's something that we have to come to terms with. And we're going to be getting into this on this show, which is this concept and this contrast between outward energy and inward energy. And it's one thing about the scientific worldview that we are immersed in right now, where, where it tends to make us look outward for everything instead of inward. And, mm-hmm. and, so, and so I think that, that is, it's, it's extremely important in, in this modern times, I think, for us to be understanding our own 
source of energy, which is why I'd like to focus this show on this. Now, in your in your uh, chapter in this book, which is very interesting in the quality of life, you talk about this, and we're all we're all trying to improve the quality of life. And why don't why don't you tell us what you think is the key here, the key to a quality of life or improving a quality of life? Mm, what a what a great um, yeah that's 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 a great concept too. Well, let me just say this. Start off with we're all different. You know, there's 7.2 billion people on this planet, and each and every one of us has our own unique perspective. I like to say we are as different as our fingerprints. So when I talk, I'm really talking about what what I have found out, what I have discovered, what I have learned. And, and if you, whoever's listening, your audience can relate to it, then good. And if not, that's okay too, because there's so many different perspectives. For me, everything is internal. Um, I know I wasn't taught that. I was taught that at a very early age. It's all about the outside, what you, what you achieve, uh, your titles, uh, what you do. Uh, where you live, all of this is, an out, is our outside uh, entities. And what I found is what really matters, and like I said, this is for me, is this internal, I like to call it an internal temperature gauge. And I set my internal temperature gauge for, you know, just like a, like a, like a, um, like a thermostat, I set my temperature gauge for, my personal temperature, for peace, for yeah. contentment for trusting, for knowing that everything that happens to me, everything that happens to me externally, I can remain peaceful, I can remain calm, I can remain at ease, and I know that whatever happens is really disguised as a lesson. So it doesn't matter whether I'm disinherited or if I lose a job, which always is true, or I don't have enough money in the bank. It doesn't matter if my internal temperature is set for knowing and trusting the power of the universe and this internal energy. Yeah, I think you said something there that contains two important points that I want to underline. First Only of all, two? well, <laughs> that's good. Keep well, going. I'm keeping one. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm keeping one in reserve. So, okay. so there's two. Okay, so two important points there that I want to emphasize. Number one, that we are all trying to reach this state of of peacefulness. And I, I'm a lawyer, and so I, I tell people that I practice Zen law, which never, yeah. which, which never really works, but, it, but it is aspirational. But, but. When we're in stressful situations, for example, and you give this and you give this illustration in in your in your article in your chapter, say you're cut off by somebody in traffic. There are so many mm-hmm. people that would lose it in one way or another because it's it's not something that's supposed to be done. It it may risk a bad accident. It may damage your new car. All these terrible things that would happen. But you know, so having that peaceful sort of inner contentment gauge, which I think is a good way to put it, is great. But I also think you said something there that's that's extremely important, and that is sort of observing what's happening and taking it as a lesson. That that is that is really good because that I think sort of corresponds to this higher consciousness that a lot of folks talk about. This this mm-hmm. uh, this big mind or the witness. 
And, and, and so I think that that is something that really helps us because when you're in that stressful situation, it's so easy to burst. You know what? That, you're absolutely right. And listen, there's a, lot, there's a lot of things that you just said. And let me share with you because if somebody cuts you off, number one, what I used to do is take all of these flights, all of these uh, events personally. It's not personal. Somebody cuts me off, it's really not personal. Number two, they're changing my perspective. When you're able to change your perspective in an instant, meaning that what if this person just got, just got a phone call and their child is in the hospital in the emergency room? What if, uh, you know, it, it, who knows what kind of emergency they're going through? Right. So in other words, you can take it personally and get pissed off and get angry, or you can switch it up and change your perspective and know that it's not personal because it's really not, and think of it another way to keep that peaceful state. I think that that's a very good observation, and it is extremely practical, and it's also very difficult to learn because mm -hmm. when you're in the stress of the moment— the natural inclination is to burst. But I think that by, by just going through this thought process and understanding that the better reaction is to, is to understand that, it, that it's not a personal diss. It's not a, as you, as you point out, it's not an insult. It could be that this person out of the hundreds of thousands of people that are driving is actually in an emergency. And, you know, what I think at the end of the day, it furthers our own peacefulness. One of, one of the important points here that I think also comes across in your work is that we are all in control of our perspective and our state of mind. Why let somebody else pollute ourselves? You know, why, mm -hmm. why, why let, exactly. why let an experience dictate our own attitudes? And I, I think that, I, love, I, I think that that is something that, you know, when you, when you talk about, uh, controlling your perspective, is that, is that what you mean by controlling your perspective, controlling your attitude? Exactly. We only, we only have a few things we can control and that's our perspective, our attitude, our choices, and our behavior. That's it. Everything else is out of our control. But getting back to what you said, you said it's only natural to get upset when something like that happens. And I, I say, oh, no, au contraire. Good. My au contraire counsel. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not natural. We were taught, we were taught at an early age to uh, get angry. Look, look, take a take a two year old, a two year old sitting outside in the backyard in, in his uh, playpen, having a great time with his favorite toys, just just enjoying the moment. Um, a two year old isn't isn't slighted if you walked up to them and said, you know what, you sure are an ugly ugly ass baby, <laughs> or whatever you say. They're, they're, they don't understand the concept of being of getting upset over something that happens. Now, their house could be burning down, the parents could be running out uh, screaming, their car could be stolen, but the baby is still sitting in the moment. We were taught this, uh, this reaction, how to react to things. And so anything that you're taught, anything that you've learned, you can unlearn. So my journey is really about unlearning 
all of the things that are taught that don't serve me, that don't serve me. And my priority, when I say my priority is peace and happiness, I mean, I'm going to do everything, everything to keep that. I mean, that's, 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 it's, I'm committed, not crazy, but I'm committed to that. And so, yeah, but we were taught all of those things, how to blame, how to complain, how to feel bad about looking in the mirror, how to not be at peace. The baby's at peace. So all of this stuff we were taught, let's start unlearning it. What do you think about them apples? It's, it's amazing that <laughs> as, you, as you get older and as you start understanding what life's about, a lot of learning is really, as you just pointed out, unlearning. A, a, a lot of it, it, a lot of it, is deconditioning ourselves from That's things right. from things that we have been brought up with, and That's you right. know one of the one of the one of the uh, features that I think is extremely important, one of the qualities, is this thing called courage, because because courage it takes courage to do this, to to decondition yourself, to unlearn these things. It it takes. It takes an inner courage, and and in, and in fact, you know, I just said courage, but in, it really is a decision that you yourself make. It's a decision that that everyone's got to make to say, I don't need to react like I was taught in high school when someone disses you. Uh, I, I will react along the path that's going to put me in the best state of mind, and mm-hmm. that 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 takes that takes courage. But I and I also think that that's something that uh, is extremely valuable about the practical tips in your book. This is Philip Mirton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're speaking with Rebecca Norrington about how to make spirituality real. And we, we are talking here a little bit about some practical tips about how to take control of our inner energy. Now, Rebecca, what led you to conclude that we're energetic creatures? I mean, I'm I'm becoming more and more of a fan of of equating energy with spirituality because I almost think that maybe it it's it's a little bit more concrete. But what led you down your own path to realize that energy is so important here? Um, well, we are we are energetic energetic we are energy we are energy everything on this planet is is made up of energy and energy never uh, you cannot destroy it and uh, you can only you can only accept it everything that you see your what you're sitting on the radio your your, your body we're energy we're, it's all energy and what's what's so important about that is that when you realize that you are an energy Energetic being? Energetic creature. Thank you. Creature. Okay. When you realize that, you, we all, and, and with that, energy is measured, and it's measured by a frequency. You can measure a frequency, and so we all emit a personal vibration. We all have a personal vibration, and you can feel the difference. You can feel the difference when you're happy, and you can feel the difference when you're sad or mad or angry or resentful or annoyed or irritated or joyful. You can feel that difference. Absolutely. And what I say is you can, 
you can, you know, it's just like, it's just like developing a new skill. I mean, just to be an attorney, you have to have a skill of, a skill of, of language. You have to have a skill, a musician, you have to have a skill, a writer, you have to have a skill. So all it is, is about developing a new skill. But this, this, in other words, a new skill of, of a different way of behaving. And you said courage. I would use another word, um, um, commitment. And I say commitment like you have to commit to wanting to have this, this, your energy and your vibration at this peaceful state more than you want anything else in the world. Yeah. I don't even know if I answered your question. Well, no, I, th- <laughs> I, think, I? I, I think that that no, I think that's really good because at the end of the day, we're trying to do something practical here. What mm. what what I'm what I'm trying to do on this particular show is to bring down to earth some of these spiritual tips, lessons that we read about and that we talk about in this show. It's one thing to talk about concept about we are all one, about how consciousness is at the root, about how, how about how um, there is a, you know, a spiritual truth to everything. God is real, all this kind of stuff, which let's, let's assume that is all true. But what does it mean for the individual? What does the individual have to do to benefit from all this? And I think that that's why I started off by talking about how E equals MC squared should apply to us. I would agree that we are energetic beings. And I also think that, you know, I'm not sure where you're going with the vibration, but there is something to be said for, for the, the more energy you exhibit, the greater control you have over yourself and, and, and your circumstances. The shrinking violet is a good metaphor. The shrinking violet, somebody that just sort of withers away at the circumstances. So I mm-hmm. think that I think that there's something to be said for increasing that energy and taking control. So okay, it- so let me let me let me let me clarify all of this because um, honestly, we there is taking control. No, no, you have no, no, absolutely no control over anything other than, other than your personal, your personal thermostat, other than your attitude, other than you, you really don't, other than you have control over yourself. That's it. But you don't have control over any outside circumstances. But let me, let me get back to this vibration. Um, energy can be measured, and it, all energy vibrates at a, at a certain frequency. And so we are vibrating. We're not only energy, but we are vibrating human beings. So what, what that is is, you know, you've heard of the term like attracts like. Right. Whatever you're vibrating at, if you're sad and you stay there and you're, you're just, you're, you're, you, you stay there and you stay there, you're going to be attracting more of that type of energy. You're going to be attracting more of that. The law of attraction is real. It's not about attracting things. It's about attracting, um, it's, it's about attracting uh, a, a type of feeling, a type of feeling. That's why it's so important to, for me at least, it's so important to feel good regardless of what is happening. Because if I feel good regardless of what this ha- what's this happening, do you realize how big that is? I mean, to feel good regardless of what happens and then to feel good regardless of what doesn't happen? Can you imagine living like that? That's, that's the perfect state of mind, isn't it? 
That sounds like thank a, you. The perfect that's the perfect state of mind, and I do think it takes some training to get there. Now let me now let me clarify a couple things because uh, I, I think that some people may put it in different words, but mm-hmm. I think it sort of means the same thing. Mm-hmm. I I tell a lot of folks that if you look at the world that you're in, the 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 circumstances that you're in. We mm-hmm. all have chosen to be where we're at. We are where we're at because of decisions we've made. Now, those are personal decisions. They come from the inside and they go outward. If you are in, and I could, you could call it a low energy state, you could call it a negative state of mind, you can call mm-hmm. it depression, you can call it anything you want. But mm-hmm. if you if you are not if you are in that state of mind, you're not controlling your attitude. And you're not mm-hmm. controlling how you see things. Now, I use the word control, and what I really mean is controlling the way we're perceiving events. Yeah. But but to me, and I don't know whether we part company on this or not, to me, it's not just controlling the way we perceive events, but it is it is creating the conditions for better events to occur. And now that's where this like meets like and vibration there might be some similarities there because I really do think we do create the world, the worlds we experience. Okay, it's not a unilateral situation, but it, but it's not as if the world goes by and we just react to it. I think we have a role in creating the world that we experience. So I don't know. So I. That, that's so interesting. So I have a question for you. Okay. Um. So, so, so give me a couple of things that have happened in your life that, or just give me one big thing that's happened in your life that you just, that, you know, you just didn't like it or just, you know, you, you really, it, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't your cup of whatever happened you weren't happy with. Give me one example. Well, everything, I can't even think of something about something that's, that's been negative. Maybe I, maybe I have reached this, you know, this state of controlling my attitudes. Because because I do think, and I agree with this, I do think that everything happens for a reason. I mean, there's so many similarities here. And Mm -hmm. in other words, if if you if you look at the negative, if you look if you could if you could find benefit truth in or the positive in a negative, as you said earlier, you really get somewhere. I mean, an example might be that. Uh, I, I was conflicted out of a major lawsuit. You know, in, in, in law, you have you have conflicts, and it was a it was a great case, but I'm conflicted out of it. So I have to find the benefit in that. Okay, so so right. that so that's that's a that's a tough one. It's sort of like losing a job promotion, a similar you know, not getting a job promotion. Okay. That, that would okay, be another okay, example. So, so stay with that. Thank you for giving me that good example. Stay with that. So conflict out. Now I have a question for you. Would you have chosen? Would you have chosen to be conflicted out? Would you have chosen that? No. There you go. Yes or no? No. And so that's why I'm saying you don't have any control of what's going on. Um, you would not have chosen that. What has happened, this is what I've, I've come to realize, whether you, whether you agree with me or not, is that everything has already been set up. It's been set up. And um, I was disinherited by my mother. I would not have chosen that. So everything that happens 
has been has happened and it actually is just like you said for your betterment to find the good to find the lessons to find the find because that event that you said happened to you now you're coming up with with positive things that came from that but you would not have chosen that event if you were setting this thing up no yes, you know, no no but i i think that what you just said i think that there's a there's a bit of a conflict in what in what uh, you said that I uh, that maybe I we need to clarify because okay. because right. because this is sort of like reading God's mind. Okay? Mm. That's the way I look at this. This is sort of like reading the ultimate destiny. Nobody could read the ultimate destiny. Okay, nobody mm. because none of us could get to that stage of consciousness where we could understand the future. Okay, now we can put determinism to the side for a second here, but mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. when you look at something. You know, we said earlier when someone cut you off in traffic, that wasn't a personal slight. It mm-hmm. was. It was. You're supposed to look at it from what lesson can you get from this? And so I think that looking at things that don't turn out like our individual selves would want them to be is another mm-hmm. way of saying that there's a greater destiny that you have to take a step back and learn from what actually occurred. And over time, and over time, you realize that what happened was for the best in some way. But our puny little minds couldn't understand it at that time. See, that, that sort of, that, it, what I just said is nothing original, but that's sort of the way that many people reconcile themselves to things that maybe in their immediate present they really don't like or they don't want to do. They look for the greater purpose behind the scenes, and many times that greater pers- that greater purpose takes a while to unfold. That's right. You're absolutely right. So, so, so that's so that's the way uh, that works. This is Philip Mirton. This is conversations beyond science and religion. We're having a very energetic conversation here with Rebecca Norrington. And if you haven't noticed, we're going back and forth between who's the guest and who's the host. And that's and that's partially because Rebecca has her own show called Reality and Spirituality. And we're sort of trading off uh, roles here. Now, I'd like to switch to this concept of forgiveness for a second because oh, you, because you talk about the importance of forgiveness and how that fits in. Why is forgiveness so important in in your thinking? Well, forgiveness is so important, like I said before. My my whole thing is being at peace and being happy. And forgive if you cannot forgive, and believe me, I was the queen of holding grudges. <laughs> holding grudges forever. I mean I could I could hold a grudge for years. But but in reality in reality what what what's really going on is I'm drinking the poison. Right. I'm drinking the poison every single day when I can't forgive. And the number one person the number one person I needed to forgive was myself, the person in the mirror. Forgive me for doing, saying, without realizing, without realizing, without having the, without having the awareness of what I was doing. And when you really get, when I really got to the point where, okay, Rebecca, um, you are forgiven, you are loved, you are accepted, you are special, regardless of what has happened. The past, the past, you talked about the future, the past doesn't even exist. 
the past doesn't exist unless you bring it up, unless, you know, it really doesn't exist. We're, the only thing we have is this present moment. Right. And this forgiveness is so powerful. I'll tell you how powerful it is. I don't know if you if you um, remember the Green River uh, killer, the murderer, the one that would kill the prostitutes. I think he killed over 40, pe- 40 women. Do you remember that Green River killer? I think so, yes. Gary Ridgway. Okay, right, right, right. Yeah, and um, go on YouTube. Go on YouTube and watch this. It's only, it's only a minute long. And, you know, all, finally, after 20-something years, this, 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 this guy is caught. 20, and he had no remorse through, through all the trial, four, over 40 women that he, that he murdered. And all the family members are there, and finally he's caught, and he's sitting there, and the, and the family members get a chance to speak, and they get a chance to talk to him and say, go to hell, you know, you, 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 I hope you burn in hell, and all of this, all of this vengeance. Right. And one man, you, you, you find it, you, you can go on YouTube. One man stood up, and he said, he said, Mr. Ridgway, he says, I don't agree with what everyone has said. He says, you're making it difficult for me to, you're making, you, you've made it very difficult for me to follow what I believe. But I don't have anything bad to say. I don't have anything vengeful to say to you. I forgive you. I forgive you. And he was saying it with such, with such sincerity that this guy that had no remorse for killing over 40, 40 something women broke down. He started visibly crying. You can find it on, he started visibly crying. Hmm. And so that's how powerful this, this energy of forgiveness is. When I say energy, because there's an energy about it. You can't fake anything. You cannot fake energy. Which, whatever, regardless of whether you believe Jesus Christ lived or died, the example of him on the cross and saying, forgive them as he's being tortured. That's how powerful this energy is. And to have that and to want to forgive and to be able to forgive anything and anyone takes you to another level of living. Should we, are you speaking about like a moral forgiveness or a societal forgiveness? In other words, should we be therefore not punishing criminals? Ooh, good question. Good question. Punishing. Well, listen, that's a totally another subject. And you know what? We have laws. But you know why we have laws and we have prisons? We have laws and we have prisons. And what happens is punishing criminals. What happens is we can't build enough prisons. We can't build enough prisons. We see the problem is, is that I think that there's two levels of forgiveness here. I've been reading a book on neuroscience about how um, there are some there's some uh, developments in neuroscience, mapping of the brain, where there's a strain of scientists who believe that that uh, criminals are predetermined, that that we're sort of that you're sort of born that way. And I don't I mean I'll use a metaphor, sort of like the you know the criminal gene or the criminal. Uh, neurons in your brain or something and the problem is is that it takes it takes personal responsibility right out of the equation and our society is based upon personal responsibility and I can go even further by saying a civil society 
is based upon personal responsibility. So I, I think that there is a distinction between moral forgiveness and the societal forgiveness. There has to be because, because I do think that to have social order, you have to punish crimes because we can't just release. Otherwise, it would be chaos. And, and well, I, I also think, though, Rebecca, just let me emphasize something. I also think, though, that putting somebody away for 80 years when they have long ago repented and, and uh, changed themselves is also not a good thing either. I mean, I, I do think our criminal justice system is too severe, but I, but I, I would, go, I would uh, try to make a distinction here between sort of a moral forgiveness and a societal issue. So that's the way I would do it. Yeah, okay, okay, and, 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 I, and I go into the individual. I'm talking about me and only me. I I'm see. not really into what society should do, what, what I'm, I'm, I just, I can't. I'm, I'm really here with this connection with the universe. And yes. um, if someone did anything to my, my family, my responsibility for myself is to be able to forgive. And what happens in the world, honestly, like I said, I'm only, it's going to sound really crazy, <laughs> but I'm, I'm only interested in what I can control. And that's me. Yes. Well, okay. That, okay. That, that's good. But I, I guess, I guess a couple of things that, Go ahead. Well, I mean, you started off and I've seen this in my own uh, family this thing where uh, you are disinherited, or you had that one line in your in your um, chapter, we talk about you know uh, a brother-in-law or a cousin, yeah, you know, looked at you the wrong way, or or you didn't like uh, the way they treated one of your your um, children, and they be and they just closed and they shut themselves off. They you know that that word, they're you know you're dead to me. That mm -hmm. that kind of conduct, I completely agree, is is really really uh, destructive. And you point out, I think, the importance of fast forgiveness. What what is what is what is this thing about fast forgiveness that you think is important? Because you emphasize that in your in your writing. Um, forgiving as fast as you can. Uh, you, you know, it, it's like I said, if you, whenever this, again, going back, it's an individual, it's an individual dance, it's an individual journey. It's about you and you and you. It's about you and the mirror. So this individual forgiving as fast as you can is, is only, is only elevating you it's elevating you the other person we're not concerned we have no control over anyone else it's a very it's so difficult i mean believe me when we were when we were we the united states was bombed with uh you know terrorized and bombed at uh, 911 i was i was right there in, in in 2001 saying that you know bomb the country bomb the country bomb everybody in the country yeah. but at this point where I am now, whatever I, whatever I want for anyone else, and if it's destructive, destructive with quotes, guess what? I'm really wanting that for myself. I cannot at this point in my life 
uh, feel hatred, anger, uh, any of those feelings for anybody doing anything. Right. And, and, and I'm just saying my evolution, not that I condone any of it, but what I'm saying is, this, this is a bigger picture. Everything that is happening and everything that has happened, there's no mistake. And it's all happening for a greater good. I mean everything. And so when I, re- when I, be- I believe that, Everything's in order. There are no mistakes. So what am I doing uh, resisting reality and resisting what is? Well, I, I can only yeah. go well, ahead. Well, what we're doing is we're participating in this in this drama. We're we're right in the mix. We're 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 players. And I think that this issue about I'm not, I think this issue I'm, of, of I'm not a player. I'm outside. <laughs> I think this. I think this. We'll get to that in a second. But I think that this issue about fast forgiveness or forgiving fast is is extremely important because you know, and that's something. The older I've gotten, the faster I forgive, because once you make the decision to forgive, which should which should uh, which is almost inevitable if if you for, you know particularly if you're the one who did something wrong, then you might as well get it over with and forgive. You might as well just do it. Because when you harbor that resentment or that anger, aren't you sort of minimizing your energy level? Isn't that really what this comes down to? You're sort of misdirecting, you know, you're sort of pointing all this negative energy to this to this uh, grudge, you know, to yes. this anger. Yeah. So release yourself. Yeah, you're, you're actually, you're, basically you're, you're just, you're, you're feeding yourself poison, right. spoonfuls of poison, yeah. I mean, and so... We, you know what? Honestly, for me, I was, I was so misled, so misled. Don't oh, hold the grudge. Oh, don't f with me. You'll regret it. And uh, now I have. Now I'm a friggin' doormat. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 a happy well, doormat. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying. You're happy and, doormat. And, yeah. and I make decisions whether to say or whether to not to say or to respond or not to respond. And, and this humbling, honestly, for me, the more I humble myself and the more I surrender, the word, the real word is surrender, surrender to this reality, that is power. Okay, now, you're not powerful. You're not powerful when you react. You're not powerful when you have an emotion of getting angry. That's not power. No, you're powerful when you surrender. Do you do you think that you're you're there? Do you think that you've mastered this? Mastered the no, power? No, hell no. That's what I kind of but, thought. It's a it's a difficult thing to do. No, no, master. Listen, it's the lesson is never going to be over. I was I was upset a couple of days ago, and I and this is an interesting thing. When I point the finger out, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. You said this. You did that. It's never about anytime you're angry. Let me just tell your audience. Anytime you're angry, it's never at the person. You're angry because there's something going on inside. It is never outside of what's going on inside of you. I used to blame everyone, and I know that now. So I needed to come back and say, okay, maybe some hibernation. Maybe I need to stay locked up in the house for a couple of days without any, any contact because I'm, I'm feeling all sensitive right now. Right. Those stars are not aligning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have this quote in your, uh, 
chapter that I wrote down, it, it, it's mastering the skill of forgiveness takes you to another level of spirituality, which I thought was good. So why don't you, why don't you tell us how mastering that skill of forgiveness does take us to another level of spirituality? What, what is the connection there? Can you imagine if um, anyone that, that you perceive you perceive as a as slighted, you, you perceive has uh, ignored you or, or your perception of anyone that has done you quote-unquote wrong, and it doesn't matter, you don't care, Jimmy Crack Corn and I don't care, you don't care, can you imagine how freeing that is? Not only freeing, you're lighter. You're not carrying around. You see, this, this, a, this thing about being angry, you're actually carrying heavy suitcases with you. I'm angry. It's easier to forgive. It's easier to, to accept. And, and you know what? This is, this is the most important thing. These people, these people in your life, they're doing the best they can. They're doing the best that they can. It's like getting, it's, it's like looking at a two-year-old and saying, can't, you know, a one-year-old, can't you, you know, can't you uh, start walking faster? When are you going to start, a, you know, potty training? When are you going to grow your teeth in? When are you going to go to, you know, all of this? These people, all of these people in my life are doing the best that they can. And when I know that, and I definitely know that, including myself, so I'm accepting of everything and everyone. Forgiving, come on. Yeah, I think that for the most part, I think that that is is right. It makes a lot of sense. When I was reading that, I I always I always think over to something we tend to forget about, uh, and this is part of this uh, unlearning our modern um, beliefs and systems. But from Buddha. Who had this eightfold path? And every, you know, a lot of people, they read about the eightfold path, and it's sort of like a prayer or something where you repeat it, but you don't really understand it or you, or you don't really absorb it. And Buddha had this, you know, and I don't know all the all the uh, the eightfold ways, but one of them is right conduct, right attitude. And I really think that having that right conduct, having that right attitude, is part of spirituality. And this is sort of what Buddha said. It, it's, it's, it sort of feeds on each other. I have found that when you have the right attitude, and this, this would include uh, forgiving fast, when you have that right attitude, it helps everything. It helps your creativity. It helps your thought process. It helps your energy level. It has. It has. It's not just a nice thing to do. It, it's. It's something that uh, I think, to put it in the terms of the show, it frees up our energy and lets us uh, realize more of who we really are. This is Philip Merton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're speaking with Rebecca Norrington about making spirituality real, and I'd like to move now, Rebecca to this inside-outside approach to determining the quality of life. And I think we've touched upon it a little bit. But you, you emphasize, again, in your writing about how we should be, ter- we should be determining 
quality of life from our in, from an internal um, calibration as opposed to external. And and what led you to reach this particular conclusion? If your temperature gauge, if your temperature gauge is set for peace, contentment, uh, trust, knowing that everything is in perfect order, then there's nothing that happens to you that is going to move. In other words, if you set your temperature gauge, there is absolutely nothing that happens. In, in other words, I'm going to be observing my life. I'm going to be, I'm, of course, I'm going to be participating, but it's also observing exactly what's going on and observing with, with the knowledge that it's all here to take me to another level. It's all here for my personal growth, for my spiritual growth. Everything that happens to me is here for my betterment. And you know what? When I really accepted that, all of it, the good and, quote, the bad, is all a gift. Everything becomes a gift. Everything that happens to me in life is, in re- is, is, a, dis- is a gift in disguise. And when you, I mean, if you really think about that, if you really think about that, can you imagine now even someone that, that is close to you dies and that's still a gift? And my son, my only son, is, was there with me. Uh, excuse me, but, oof, and, and, and these are happy tears. Right. These are happy tears. Um, was there witnessing it was his first death in the family. And after the service, my son and I drove, drove to the beach, and we sat on the beach. And he asked me, he was, he was 20, 25, 26 years old, and he said, no, maybe 24. And he said, Mom, how do you feel? How do you feel now that Gramps is dead? Now, I am the example of how I want my son to feel when I'm dead, when I die, because it's going to happen. And I made a joke. Can you believe it? I'm yeah. joking on my father's uh, day of my father's service yeah. because, because I chose to look at only the good. I chose to be the example to my son. I don't want my son if, if, if I'm dead. Oh, God, now what am I going to do? My mother's gone. Oh, woe is me. No. And remind me, Philip, I'm going to take a picture and send this picture to you of an hour after my father died. You're not even going to believe it. Hmm. You would think that we were just having a party. <laughs> yeah, there's something to be said so it, for, 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 celebrating, for celebrating life. And I think, you know, one, one thing that resonated with me in this, in this part of your, of your uh, writing on this was when you, when you talk about this concept of things missing in your life. And, and there's this one uh, line, you know, you wrote, anytime you believe something is missing, you create the vibration of being dissatisfied. And I, I, really, I really thought that was good because, because of this distinction between, you know, things that are missing from outside of you versus things that are missing inside of you. Mm-hmm. And, and what, what, and, you know, I think most people would say what's missing from their lives. I think they, you know, a lot of people would, would, would talk about things outside of you. Now, why, why is that inside-outside uh, distinction so important? 
for for this concept of what's missing? Because the outside doesn't matter. Right. The outside is all man-made. We were taught to concentrate, to focus on the outside. It's like we're drinking drinking the Kool-Aid and it doesn't even make sense. It's like we're, we're in this bizarro world. The outside, really? You lost your job and now you're depressed? Uh, you're, you're disinherited and now you, you're, you're... No, the outside? There's a movie, it's, an, it's called um, uh, Life is Beautiful, and, it talks about, and it's about this man, and he was in a concentration camp with his son. And he, he set this environment. His son didn't even know he was in a concentration camp. Wow. In other words, it's not about where you are. It's not about the outside. It's all about the inside. If you have this, if you have this temperature gauge set, and, and it, it's a commitment, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you have health. It doesn't matter if you're sick. It doesn't matter if somebody dies in your family. It doesn't matter if you have money. It doesn't matter if you're homeless. Are you telling me there's people that are out on the street that are homeless that are still happy? It doesn't matter what happens if you have this internal setting, this energy, this vibration of peace and contentment. doesn't matter. I mean, I want to live like that. Yeah, I, I read somewhere recently where uh, people do, do not become any happier after about $75,000 a year. Now, maybe that sounds like a lot. I don't know. what. I don't know. I guess it depends where you live. But there is there is still this fixation in our society, uh, believing that money and material things makes you happy, and it's really amazing. It's amazing to me because each of us at some point learns that that's not true. But yet, yet we have a society where where everybody wants to win the lottery, and well, and, you know what? It's changing now. The, the, you know, yeah, of course, it's it's all changing. Um, there's a there's a, uh, a a very very close person in my life, and he actually is dignitary for, for dignitary protection for you know he's been in the presence of presidents of the of the war uh, presidents of the United States. He's been in the presence of Queen Queen of England of all the celebrities you could name, and he says it all the time. These people are miserable. Yeah, people yeah. with billions of dollars are miserable. Yeah. Now, we've been selling, we've been teaching, learning that money is going to make, it doesn't, it doesn't. It's an internal state that, that is, is, is making you happy. It has nothing to do with what you, you attain, absolutely nothing. So, so now, now let's get to the ultimate instruction here, the ultimate lesson, which is Uh-oh. how do we how do we increase that energy level? How 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 would you recommend the listener increase their energy level, and and to benefit from these 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 lessons and these and these tips that you've that you've uh, conveyed here? What is what does somebody do to to power up? Number one, this is this is this is what I found. You have to want, you have to commit to wanting, to being happy, to being peaceful more than you, no, not more than, just as much as you want to breathe in that story. That's number one. You have to want it that bad. There is nothing else that is going to 
going out a party. We're always making the decision between peace and drama. So whatever you say, before you say it, however you behave, are you either creating peace are you creating drama? It's really very simple. It's about making choices. What are you creating? What will you be creating? But you really, really have to want it. So there's not, there's, there's not a lot of people that, which is fine, that that is a priority. But it is my priority, and it's my legacy. And whoever wants to, to uh, come with me, and, and, and not come with me, but... but Whoever wants to know how, and, it's, and, and this process is nothing that happens overnight, but you really, really, really have to want it. Yeah. And you have to be patient with yourself. It's, it's like growing a rose bush, you know, an award-winning rose bush. You don't just sit there and plant the seed in fertile soil and sit there and say, okay, bloom, bloom, bloom. Growth doesn't happen like that overnight. Growth takes time. And I also want to add here something else, and that is I don't know if there's such a thing as this perfect balance or this perfect attitude. And for those listening who think that that I believe or that or that maybe, uh, you know, speaking for Rebecca, I think you said the same thing, that this is perfectly achievable I don't I don't think it is. I think that we are we are living in in a real world with real stress, real events, but we could strive for this 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 point. This point where we where we adopt the right perspective, where we forgive fast, where we control our own energy level. And I think one of the one of the key things here for me is that I don't think we truly understand how how powerful or how energetic we really are. We are sitting right. in, we are sitting in top of something that I really think has unlimited energy. And and when we practice these these pra- when we practice these tips, when we try to discipline ourselves of having the right attitude, of forgiving people, of of being positive, of getting over negative things, of not hating, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I we start harnessing that energy. And I do think that there's a, that this is extremely exciting because it's a personal journey. It's something we could all experience. We could all learn for ourselves from our own lives, how it might benefit uh, our day-to-day lives. And frankly, when we start becoming more happy because we are approaching things with the right mindset, the right energy level, clearing clearing the deck, so to speak, it builds upon itself. So uh, we've, we've quickly come to the end here, Rebecca, and I, I would like you oh, no, to... No, no, well, let me, let me just okay. add this really okay. quickly. Okay. Okay. I, I, Not okay. only when, okay, when you ahead. change yourself, when you change yourself, you're actually changing the world. You're yep. changing the world's energy. That's when good. you change, you change the world. That That's a really good... Uh, sort of conclusion to cap on there because ultimately ultimately that's the goal ultimately it's, it's sort of like we're all in this together at the end of the day we're all little pieces of this of the of the of the machine 
but it, it, it has to begin with ourselves. It has to begin right. with individually mastering ourselves. So, Rebecca, right. why don't you tell folks about your radio show? Okay, so, well, you can find me at RebeccaNorrington.com, which is R-E-B-E-C-C-A-N-O-R-R-I-N-G-T-O-N.com. And my radio show is Reality Spirituality, of course. And I'm actually authoring another book that's going to be out at the beginning of the year. It's going to be titled Reality Spirituality, The Truth About Happiness. And I will be speaking. You can follow me on Twitter at R.L. Norrington. Uh, You can Facebook. Go to Facebook and uh, like Reality Spirituality. And also, I will be speaking at the Conscious Life Expo. This is my first huge, big engagement. It's going to be, I think, over 10,000 people, Jesus, wow. on, uh, in, in Los Angeles at the Hilton, the Consciousness Life Expo. And that's who I am. It's, it's interesting because, like I said before, believe me, a bitch on wheels and now just not being happy with the way I was living, not being happy, and, and I was just, just, just struggling to find answers. And when you ask the questions, when you ask the universe what else is possible, or you ask the universe for help, you always are answered. You always get answers. Well, thank you very much, Rebecca. This is Philip Merton. Uh, next week, we're going to have Roy E. Borquet on the show, the author of the new book, The Merging of Two Worlds, The Convergence of Scientific and Religious Thought. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.